This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you go ahead and get your Bibles, open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18. Bring you a message today entitled The Triumph of the Cross. It's the finale of our Foolish series. And so we're going to come back to that verse that we've been studying for the last uh, four weeks. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18. Uh, let me just, just tell you that I'm excited about bringing you this message, not because it's been a fun message in the first two services but because there's truth here. And, and I believe you're going to see it. Somebody, somebody would say to me, you know, Pastor, what a, uh, how can you preach every Easter for 30-something years on uh, Easter message without backtracking? I, well, I, it blows my mind what we do not yet know. Okay, and what we realize together. I want to show you something today that I, I have was challenged to study, uh, and this whole series has been a challenge and to where we've, we've come to ultimately today in the message of the cross. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the word. I thank you for your presence. God, I need you. You told me in my office not to, not to flinch on this message, but to bring it as a treasure to these, your people. Father, I thank you that today we're going to learn something new about the message of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice what the word says here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. Okay? But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Now, it's not talking about the cross as it were, but it's talking about the message of the cross. What was accomplished on the cross? What Jesus did on the cross? And again, I, I want to tell you, I've been challenged by people saying, how, how do you keep preaching these messages uh, over and over again, knowing that, that, that for all these years you've had to say the same thing? Well, this time someone challenged me that, that I, if I really understood the message of the cross, if I really had a grasp after all these years, after uh, you know, earning a doctorate, a PhD, if I really had a grasp of what it meant to know the message of the cross. And I want to tell you today that this message I've seen morphing, particularly during this series, this is the result of that challenge as, as I've been learning about the cross. We began studying just a few weeks ago about the blood on the door and how that the lamb had to be slain and it all ties together. And then on Easter, we talked about the fact that there was uh, uh, two trees. There was a tree of knowledge of good and evil and there was a tree of life. And how that, that what Eve, and this was probably one of the most powerful points of this series, how what Eve took off the tree, uh, she couldn't put back. But Jesus made a tree of life where we could put our sins on the cross. Come on now. And the cross became our tree of life. Amen. I get excited about that, that we can come because what's the word say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not, what? Perish, but have eternal life. The tree of life, the cross became the tree of life. And then last week we talked about how that the scripture clearly presents that Jesus was restoring that tree to us and, and how he gave us the authority and the power to walk 
up to that tree of life on a daily basis, not, not, not being lo- uh, bound any longer by the mountain of sin, but being freed by the blood of Jesus to come to the tree of life. Daily we crucify or mortify these deeds of the body, Scripture teaches us. Now today, let me tell you that we get upset when somebody messes up our image of something. Have you ever had a restaurant that you really, really like and, and you go back and what you remember is not what you get when you go back? It messes up your image. It messes up your childhood uh, enjoyment of that place. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just totally, it's not what it was. You know, it's it, something, something, it, it had, the image has been destroyed. Well, I want, to, I want to tell you that there's many images of what happened on Golgotha. Last week, we realized that, that, that the Scripture says in five places in the epistles that Jesus was not only crucified on a cross, but the, the staros, the Greek word there is staros, and the staros was the, the cross beam that he carried. He carried the cross beam, but that the cross beam was attached to a, a cleon, attached to a tree as he was nailed to a tree. This was important because that tree becomes the tree of life. Now, with that concept in mind, I want to I want to mess with our, our image of the cross. Now, I didn't say I want to change what was done on the cross, but I want to mess with our image of the cross for just a moment. Most of us in Christian faith have have this image of three traditional crosses. Now, many pastors preach that that it wasn't a traditional cross, that actually, because of some of the words that were used here, like Staros, talking about a singular beam, that that he was crucified on a stake. But we realize that doesn't match up with what Scripture says. And look, I feel like I'm going all nerdy on this for just a moment. Let let me be a Bible nerd for a moment, can I? All right? And and, and so they they, they get all, it was was a singular stake, but they miss the beauty of the tree of life being restored. But but here's what I, I want you to see. We get this this image of three crosses on a hill that, that there was there was two crosses and then a little bit more forward is the the cross where Jesus hung and and if it was on a tree then 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 let's let it be on a tree then as that cross beam was attached and affixed to that tree as he hung up on restoring the tree of life but 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 I, I want you to understand I think that the image that we have of the three crosses on a hillside is completely wrong thank you for being bold enough to say okay go ahead and tell us come on now I believe that the image that we have is completely wrong because I want you to get this kind of an image in your mind that if he was crucified on a, on a tree, that there's a possibility that it was a singular tree that held all three of them. You're not going to understand why for a few moments, but bear with me. The, what happened on the cross still happened on the cross, whether it was a, a beam nailed to a tree or, 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 or if there were three separate trees used. But I think this is very, very important by what I have discovered. Because here's what we see in John chapter 19, verse number 31. And we've checked all the way back to the original on this. And, and this is what it says. Then the Jews, therefore, because uh, it was pre- the preparation that the bodies, was that singular or plural? The bodies should not remain upon the cross, not crosses. This is important. That the bodies, I told you I'm going all nerdy on you for a moment, but bear with me. That the crosses are not there, but the cross, okay? The bodies are no longer on the cross. Take it back to the Greek. One of our, our college uh, uh, teachers, professors, was in the last service, and he said, Pastor, I, I literally did it while you were saying that, and you're right. There's, it's plural bodies, singular cross. They came and said, let us take them down from the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, and they might be taken away. Well, what does this have to do? with anything. 
Well, we're headed somewhere. We have to remember that all of this works together, that these trees in the garden, that all of this is painting a picture for us that gives us ultimately the message of the cross. What does this have to do with anything? Well, I want to take you to Luke chapter 23 for just a moment because what we realize is that there is a conversation that occurs on the cross. There's a conversation between Jesus and those that are crucified there with him on this day. Luke 23 verse 39 says, says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Notice what he's saying there. Can't you do anything for me to get my life back on the track that I wanted on? But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. He acknowledges his own sin. I want you to see that. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, some of the most powerful words in Scripture, Jesus, remember me. How many of you are thankful that Jesus never forgets us? Amen. (laughs) Jesus, remember me. He said, when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus answered him, he's an on-time God who answers at the right time. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's nothing beautiful about what's happening at this moment except the love of Jesus Christ, because what we have here are three men who are being crucified. Whether they're being crucified on three different stakes or whether they're being crucified on one tree, they're dying the same way. They have been pierced and nailed to the beams and nailed to the tree. They're hanging there in the middle of the air, and as they're hanging there in the middle of the air, I want you to get this. Listen to me, because it becomes very important. They are dying not by blood loss. They are dying by asphyxiation because what happens is they have to push up with their feet that are now nailed. They have to pull up with their arms and they can only lift themselves for far too long. Come on now. Somebody was watching. I saw some kind of commercial the other day and somebody said, I used to be able. They were talking about pull-ups. They said, "I, I used to be able to do three of those. Come on, those of you who can do more than that, God bless your souls. I thought to myself, I don't know if I could save myself with one push, uh, one pull up right now. Come on. But they're having to literally pull themselves up. And so they're close enough that these men who are, who are literally, uh, their life is being ripped out of them by their uh, lack of ability to breathe are close enough to each other to be able to have a conversation. In order for this conversation to have occurred, what was happening in the close enough area, and as they're struggling to breathe, they, they, they would have made much more sense for them to be on the same tree. Listen to me carefully. Here's the other thing that kind of bore witness with this, because I'm about to show you something beautiful I had never seen from Scripture. John 19 again says, Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross, On the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Listen to me carefully. Then the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead and did not break his legs. What Now, what does this have to do with the possibility that they were all crucified on one tree? I'm telling you, it's worth the wait. Stay with me. But here's the thing. If Jesus is crucified in the middle, come on, Jesus is crucified where? In the 
middle. There's one on his right. There's one on his left. And they say to them, we want you to go make sure they're dead. And so they go to make sure they're dead. And as they go to make sure they're dead, they come to the first and they, they realize he's not dead. So they break his legs. Why do they break his legs? So he can no longer push himself up to get air. So he suffocates there and dies. Then they come, the scripture says, to the next oh, that was on the other side of Jesus. What did I just have to do to get to the other one? I had to pass Jesus. Our minds think linearly when we're given a task. Here's the start of the task. There's the end of the task. It's not normal for me to jump the middle part of the task, come here, kill this one, walk by that one, then kill this one, and then come back to this one. It's not linear. But if they were, let me just use this stool for an example. If they were on one tree, this is how it would have worked out. They would have come to the one on the one side of him, the right side of him, broken those legs. Get, I'm getting you there. Just stay with, I mean, come on and say it's worth the ride. Come on now. They come up to and they break these legs. Then they walk around and then they break these legs. And by the time they get to this side of the tree with the one that's in the middle, it makes more, much more sense with what the scripture describes instead of them passing by one to return back to him. So why is this important at all? I want you to keep this image, Jesus hanging here. And then I want you to keep the image of, of someone on the side. Let me, let me give you a, a couple little props here to help you with this. You know what? I'm going to do it differently in this service. Let me find a Jesus. Come here, Mike. No dancing today. Come on now. We're going to let Mike be Jesus. Don't we love Mike? So we're going to put Jesus in the center cross. Okay? Brandon, would you help me? Come on up here. Which side would you like? Is there any particular side you would like? This, this side. Now I need somebody willing to go to hell in here this morning. Where are you? <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> All right, Christian, come on up here and help me since you're on the front. Amen. All right. All right. I want you to get this image in your mind. Once again, why that this... Somebody said, Pastor, how do you keep preaching the same message? How do you keep preaching the same message of the cross? But I had never seen this message of the cross. Because if they're on the same tree, okay, if they're on the same tree, you know what? I'm gonna, he's taller than you. I'm going to have to make him Jesus and you the one that goes to heaven. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So, I don't know why I just had this mental image of Brandon getting home and taking the bread and breaking it in front of Savannah. Come on now. Amen. All right. So, so you, you're the Lord. You're the criminals on the sides. Now get this mental image for just a moment. Because what I want to take you now to is back to the Old Testament because we went all the way back to the garden and the garden showed us that the cross became the tree of life. And, and in this study, we realized that Jesus was restoring that, okay? But now we're going to go back to the book of Leviticus, everybody's favorite book of the Bible. And as we go back to the book of Leviticus, we learn the duties of the high priest, okay? How many of you understand that Jesus was our Passover lamb? Let me just give you that today. Jesus, as he hung dying there, he was our Passover lamb. But not only was he our Passover lamb, Jesus was our all in all. I just, I, I just love saying that about our Lord. He's everything you need. He's everything you want. He's everything you'll ever have a, a need for in this life. Jesus is our all in all. And as he hung there dying as a lamb that was slain, he was also operating in another office. He was operating not only as the lamb, but he was operating as, watch this carefully, he was operating as the great high priest. 
Leviticus tells us this is what happens on that day. The duties of the high priest were, uh, for Aaron the high priest shall cast lots upon two goats. What we have here is an image of the high priest with two old goats on either side of him. Come on now, amen. All right, with two goats, one lot for the Lord, and that was the right hand, and one lot for the scapegoat. King James actually says for Azrael, literally to be led into the desert to be consumed by the devils of sin. Okay, so one for the, the enemy and one for the Lord. And so they're hanging there in the middle of the air. At this moment, Jesus becomes the great high priest. Now, now stay with me because I'm trying to, to give you something. He's dying as the lamb that it was slain from the foundations of the world for our sins. He's dying as the Passover lamb. But if for them to have put him on, uh, for them on one tree, the center one would have had to be at a higher position. And at a higher position, his hands would have been stretched out over the head of the other two. And so as he hung on the tree, operating not only as the lamb that was slain, I told you I'm going nerdy on you for a moment, but let me preach here for a moment. Operating not only as the lamb that was slain, but operating as the great high priest. Because the Bible teaches us that the high priest on that day would bring two goats and they would be on either side. And the one on one side would be for redemption for the people. And the one on the other side would represent those that, uh, that the rejection of sin and what sin could have no place with God. And the high priest would put his his hands over the heads of the goats before the sacrifice would happen. And he would then make atonement for the people. So what we see here in this picture, I'm sorry I'm getting nerdy on you, but I love what I see here. What I see here in this picture is a beautiful, beautiful picture. Not only is Jesus the lamb that was slain, he becomes the great high priest who will intercede for his people hanging on the tree. Let me tell you what else he showed. Your arms okay there for a moment? Let me tell you what else he showed me while I was studying. Notice the hands are over both of them. The one who would receive and the one who would reject. I don't care who you are and what you've done. Jesus died for you no matter what the devil told you. No matter how many times you've rejected him, Jesus still died for you. All you've got to do is receive him. Amen. And I'm getting fired up about this. I'm getting fired about this. You're going, but Pastor Don, what if it, I, look, if, if they were spread out, if they were all together, I, I, there's serious evidence for what I'm preaching. They were on one tree today. But what really matters is we have not yet begun to see the fullness of the message of the cross because it's being revealed in who we are. We might not know it all till we get there, but the simplicity of this was Jesus was tying up all the loose ends so that his people might be restored. And I don't care what sins and what struggles and what bondages there were in your life. Jesus is still tying up and settling everything for your life because your salvation's been bought. Now you just need to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, hallelujah. Woo. All right. About preach me off this stage up here. Let me just keep his hands up for just one moment. Exercise. Come here. I want you to get this. This is making sense to anybody. I want you to get this. So it's the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. It's the day of atonement. And the sacrifices are on either side. Now, I just feel to say this. Listen to me carefully. If you feel like you've put yourself on the wrong side, it's not too late to come to the right side. Amen. It's never too late because Jesus was dying for you. I'm about to let you put your hands there, but I want you to get this image. I want you to see this. After on Yom Kippur the sacrifices were made, the great high priest 
would stand at the place of the sacrifice. He would spread his arms. With his hands outspread, he cried out, It is finished. It is time. Work is complete. You can put your hands down now. How many of us need to understand the message of the cross is not the simplicity that we try to make it that it was the, the, the magnitude of everything before and everything after all being pulled to one spot. And as he pulled it all together, he was saying, there is not a loose end in anybody's life that I can't tie together. There's not a sin that my hands weren't covering. Whether you've accepted or you've rejected, he's still your God. The question is, will you let him be your Savior? Now, I want to talk to those who know Jesus for just a brief moment. I want you to get what I'm about to tell you. Every decision I make in my life is not on the right side. I've made a lot of, well, God, if you'd done this, I wouldn't be dealing with this. Or if they hadn't done this, or if they hadn't said this, or if they hadn't made me mad. And I struggle wanting to go to the wrong side. But it's His grace that keeps drawing me back to the right side. If you've been living in the wrong side, I almost made this named this message the God of both hands. He's got you covered. You just need to make the decision to get your life right where it's supposed to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Thank you guys for your help. I want to talk to those that are here, those that are listening, and those that are watching. It's been a very interesting and deep, deep series. God's been speaking to our hearts. We've learned so much about the message of the cross. But the greatest thing about the message of the cross is that Jesus did it for you and for me. The greatest joy about the message of the cross is that Jesus is our hope. Everyone here in this place is praying, and I, and I want those of you that are watching, those that are listening, to, to pray with us now. You go, Pastor Don, I, I've been on the wrong side for far too long. I, I, I've been the one blaming God instead of receiving God. Or maybe you've been on this side saying, remember me, but, but you, you're struggling in your life. Maybe you've never made that prayer. Maybe you've never made that call, but listen to me. You may feel like that you're destined for the wrong side, but, but it's time for you to trust the sacrifice of Jesus and come to the right side. To come to the place. Pastor, I don't even know what to say. That the, the best thing is what we see in this passage. He says, I, you, where you confess your sins and then you ask him, remember me. Remember me. If you're here today or maybe you're going to contact us because you're somehow watching or, or listening, but, but this is your moment. This is your time. Maybe you're riding down the road right now and this is your moment. This is your time. This is it. I'm talking to, I fail to communicate with all three audiences here. The one present, the ones listening, and the ones watching. God's speaking to somebody in every single one of them right now. But you say, this is my moment. I'm tired of living on the wrong side of the cross. I'm coming to the side of faith. 
I believe the message of the cross is for me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've been carrying some sins. I know Jesus is my Savior, but I've been, I've been carrying some sins and I, I want to lay them down today. I'm ready to get right with Jesus. Can I see your hands if that's you? Come on, hold them up high. Don't be ashamed. Hold them up high. He stretched his out for you and had them nailed there. Thank you. Put those down. All right, nobody looking around. I didn't embarrass them, and I want to ask for two other quick things. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, or even though you've prayed it, you've never really made him your Lord and Savior. And today, you're ready to come to the right side of the cross. This is it. This is the mind. This is the place. This is the line of demarcation. This is the time for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Will you say with me today, remember me, Jesus? If that's you right where you are, even if you're not present here, I want you to take just a moment. I want you to do what I'm asking. Just, just, just put up one of your hands right in there. Hold it up high so I can see. I want to pray with you. Thank 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 you. Maybe you're watching or listening. This is your moment. All right, you can put those down. I want you to take the hands of someone that's near you if you're comfortable today. And we're going to pray a prayer of commitment unto Christ. In the same way the man on the cross, he said, I am a sinner. I deserve a, a sinful death. But this man, this one is innocent. His name is Jesus. Jesus, remember me. As we pray this prayer of confession, we will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And these many are going to be settled for all eternity with Christ. Right where you are right now, pray with me today. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. By faith, I confess. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Cover me with the sacrifice of Christ. Heavenly Father, from this moment forward, I receive your grace by faith. I declare, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Now, come on, give God some praise today. Amen. Hallelujah. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.